Test Eastern episode 125 and it's me Gary P and of course the Prof Carl Riley. Howdy. And we are still sponsored by the fantastic Ocean Electrical who are back to full service although they are like ourselves they are frontline workers hashtag frontline workers they've yep. been serving the um, so front, brave that's that's it they've been ser- serving the frontline for a while now with um, health services and things like that but they are back to domestic jobs as well so if you need any lights put in or um, anything along the lines of those electrical needs check out Ocean Electrical anything except lamps they don't sell lamps unfortunately so yeah that's Ocean Electrical you can get through us if you want or you can get them at uh, oceanelectrical.ie or you can find them on Facebook or if you need any emails or information let us know so yeah we've uh, part 2 of our Craig Sivers interview prof We've been saying we actually have been saying it wrong all this time for nine years. Yeah, and there's another former player of the year winner in Lee Grace. Neil Talk was about the 2018 season and he won the award and returning to training on Monday. So they're back at it. And something we were eager to know is who put on the most weight. So we had bets going on and we were wondering who was the fat boy coming back to training. So uh, we didn't get that info as that's probably a little bit too. Um, We'll, I don't we'll, think they'd tell us that, would they? We'll go through some back channels and find that out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Lee said the sign jersey all the way out from to the Irish Army in the Lebanon. So we'll be chatting to Gav Fitz and uh, he'll tell us a little bit more about that and his time in the Leb. There's a relationship that goes back years with the Irish Army and the Lebanon. So it'll be an interesting enough debate there. So uh, we, we won't waste any time. We're going to jump right into Civez. And good old Civi part two covering 2011 and 12 seasons and uh, some of your questions that you sent in. So here's Civi. We've mentioned that famous house in Tala. It was yourself, Twiggy, Turner, Manus, Dennehy. Must have been a great camaraderie yeah. amongst the Rover squad. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, we all got on with each other. Um, Tommy Stewart was in there for a wee while as well. Um, that was great. There was no... Between the five us, the five or six of us, there was never any real, there was never any real fallouts. In fact, you know, the only time there was we arguments came over food. It was usually Turner was <laughs> pinching Alan Manis's protein bars, and you know, <laughs> Twiggy would maybe be in the, in the I think he would think him and Bill maybe had a wee fallout once. And Twiggy was eating Bill's uh, cocoa pops or something. So, <laughs> but, um, yeah, there was, there was, yeah, we all going well, and there was never. Yeah, there was never really any. There was never any issues, to be honest. Just little minor things. There were, there were nothing really. So, but yeah, the, the camaraderie and the, the whole squad in general last season was, yeah, it was brilliant. Some great characters in the squad. So, yeah, some great characters over the, you know, that whole period actually. So, what yeah, about? What about uh, on the pitch? Because you've got like a couple of Scots, a couple of Ulster men, and an English man. Were there any breakdowns of communication on the pitch? Like, because sometimes the dubs couldn't understand you. Because uh, Stephen Bradley yeah, says yes, that did happen. Yeah. yeah, for some reason uh, they, they seem to pick up Twiggy a little, little bit better than me. So, hmm. so yeah, there was a few, there was a few breakdowns of communication, but yeah, it was talking about Brad today. I mean, he's a fantastic player as well. He's brilliant. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just a great. It was just a great session, you know what I mean? It was, it was brilliant. It was a really enjoyable, really enjoyable time in, in my life, to be honest. It was brilliant. Talking about enjoyable times with the 2011 European campaign, could have gone so differently. Um, you failed a Florida talent player, but Big Al got you out of jail for the penalty. Quite a tame penalty as well. We were right in line with it. 
Uh, what's what's your uh, thoughts on that? On the on the penalty, I think I, I thought I got the ball, but yeah, obviously I was pulled out. Um, Actually, just just to interrupt you, right? There's something that just popped into my mind now. Do you remember out in UCD, where I think I I think you might have been sent off, but or you tackled somebody on the edge of the box and Keith Ward scored a free kick after it. Do you remember uh, that? And it was it was never a foul. It was one of the best tackles I've ever seen outside the box. Yeah, I think you're right, eh? It was one of the best right. tackles I've ever I've seen and then off. Ward buried one after straight after it. And you yeah, I've, nev- yeah, I've never I've yeah. never seen you so right. Like it was a brilliant yeah. tackle. It was ball I think it was Connolly yeah. was the ref. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Oh, well. yeah Unbelievable. Some, I, yeah, I'd, I'd say it was uh, the twice I did get sent off the yeah, it was really soft actually. Mm. Got sent off against Fingal in the cup, second yellow for a high boot. Uh, you're lucky if it was above waist height. I was just trying to flick the ball back into the box. And then, obviously, I think we got sent off against UCD the night we won the league. For, like, it, was, it was so fucking soft. Like, yeah. That was after that. was after Michael and Jim saying, like, don't you get sent off? Like, you're not a fucking yellow card. Two, minute, two, two minutes into the game, fucking second yellow. But, yeah. Um, yeah, Big Al pulled me, pulled me out the shit that game. Uh, and Turner scored, make it 1-0, and then went over to Tallinn with, yeah, it's a really professional, really professional performance. Um, to see out the nil nil, uh, I felt we were pretty comfortable actually in the game. So, so yeah, we deserved to go through. And then Copenhagen, uh, it was a great effort, but it wasn't to be. And then yeah, 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 that was a. I enjoyed that game as well. That was a good. I done quite well in that game, but yeah, I think Billy's ah, Bill's Bill went through and goal, and the guys, it's his heel. I mean. Like Billy's like it's millimetres. Like if you know, there's a couple of centimetres to the left, I think it's, it's went through the keeper's legs. Like yeah. so unlucky. Um, I think Ken had a header as well. He was really close. Ken was the closest one. I think he was. A, it was a, a whipped yeah. in ball, wasn't it? Just, just. Yeah, so he did. Um, and I think Ken done his knee that game as well, didn't he? So yeah. a big Muzz came back in. Yeah, so he's coming back to me now. Yeah, I was. I enjoyed that game. That was. Uh, yeah, that was good actually. I thought we. I thought. As a, as a team I thought we'd done really well that night and I, in fact yeah we played Bo's the game after because we never stayed yeah we never stayed in Copenhagen we always um, we always stayed over on our trip so that was the first time we'd actually flew straight back um, I don't know if that was because because we were playing Bo's or not I don't know if Michael was the one us to, to go in the last in Copenhagen leading up to that but um, no we done really well that night and yeah, we'd, against Bose we done really, well, it was only 1-0 we beat them but yeah, I think we'd done really well that night as well so took a lot of confidence for that game and into the Partizan yeah, then were you confident going into the Partizan game with the forced leg and the nah, one of the nah, best goals I've really seen in a, an underrated Rovers goal would be the Gary McCabe goal as well it was a, it was a great goal um, to be fair to think I played a die I to Billy I think the other boys I think yeah, it wasn't the best actually. Yeah, I've, I've, I've shelled it long. Near right back's header, I think he's headed the back into Bill. He's passed into Gary McCabe, and Gary McCabe's beat two or three boys. I think he's still poked it through keeper's legs or something, I think. Super goal. Um, oh, it was brilliant, yeah. So, I mean, to be fair, we deserved that that night as well. I, was, I can, you know, I can remember that it's like 10, 15 minutes to go, like, like they were gone. Like We were really pushing were for gone. them, weren't we? 
So when that when McCabe crossed it in with the from the corner and that ball was headed out, did you think to yourself, so he's not gonna strike that? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why Sully was that far the pitch actually. Yeah. Usually he was uh, usually he was back at the halfway lane. I think they might have brought everyone back actually, that's why he's just he's edged up the park a bit. But no, what jeez, what a strike and then Yeah. Just remember hitting the back of the net and just running over running after Sully and Sully and Muzz and I fucking you know, broke my nose like Enders jumped in the back of me my nose went right into the back of Dan Murray's head <laughs> fucking beauty we, so have, like, we have the photograph frame somewhere actually that celebration of that goal oh, yeah, yeah what a moment that was um, I like, but we'd actually we'd actually played quite well so it leads up to the goal with the start of the second half we, we kept the ball for for long periods of the game and I think we actually settled us a wee bit um, and obviously, yeah, got to the extra time. And who, who came on? Killers came on. Sheppy, I think Sheppy came on at half time, didn't he? Sheppy done really well that night, actually. Because um, we went to 4 4 2, didn't we? Uh, who else came on? Stevie came on as well. Stevie was brilliant when he came on. I remember that. I remember his tackle as well. He had a couple of tackles, you know, in the six yard box. So when um, when Stevie is taking that penalty in extra time, you can just see you, Dan Murray, and Ennis Stevens. You're all in the exact same pose in the halfway line, hands on your knees, <laughs> staring. So what's yeah. going through your mind? Well, that's because I was fucked, but like, <laughs> so I got a breath. But no, I just yeah, I, mean, I, I can't even remember. It's bizarre. Like, it's a shame I can't really remember much about it to be honest. Um, Obviously, he scored it, and we ran over the corner, and you know, you just try to take your time, just kill time from there on, there on in, because you know that they've got to score too. Um, and yeah, when it's, you know when we finally done it, it was like what a feeling. It was, it was unbelievable. And you couldn't grasp how how big of an achievement it was straight away. I mean, did you did you think to yourself like, is this real? Yeah, like yeah, it was just. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's, it's just something that you know, you never think would you never think would happen, and, we, um, and even with that group of players, like you know, none of us really. When you, when you think back now, like none of us really kicked on, and apart from Bender, Sheffield went to Reading, but like you know, none of us really kicked on after that. Um, so to do it with that that group of players was you know it made it even more. Um, more impressive um, but onto the group so, yeah, stages I, as well did um, 
I mean, taking the lead away Hart Lane is a standout moment for everybody. But do you look back at the six games? How do you think that we fared overall? I know we didn't win a game, but how do you think we we did overall yourself? Um, what was the first first game was Kazan, wasn't it? Um, Another I penalty, like, actually, in that one. Yeah. Kazan, yeah. Oh yeah, geez. What was I doing? Like? <laughs> I can remember. Oh yeah, I can remember it now. Yeah, the boys played a diag to to Martin's. Martin's just headed it back, and then the only place the guy's going to put it is in behind. So I should have dropped, but I was thinking we would try and play him offside. But it gets over Ferry Martin's. He's one of the fastest players in football. And <laughs> he'd obviously step he step back in line with us and. I remember having an opportunity. I should have just smashed them. Like I should have just taken a yellow card. But I never. And obviously, it's, it's over Femi Martins against myself. Like it was only. Give you he one was minute. still only twenty-five years old at the time. Uh, I certainly uh, <laughs> didn't feel like that anyway. Um, but yeah, he's yeah he's right at the box, and I'm going fly, I'm going fly out, and he's he's clever enough to just stop, and I just I just ran out of the back of him. Obviously, gave away the penalty, but. I think uh, Ryan saved it, didn't he? Um, but we conceded early, didn't we? We conceded early. Um, I think we'd done all right after we conceded the goal. But, yeah, it was a massive, a massive goal in, in quality. Like, yeah. I, mean, to I remember, I think Viarina was very good. Do you remember him? For Pauk, yeah. For, for Pauk, was it? Yeah. I'm mixing it up at times. Oh, for I'm, oh. mixing, I'm mixing the teams up, but there was a there was a goal from class. You're you're definitely. Ah, oh, yeah. There. I mean, well, it's, yeah. The Tottenham game was great. I mean, that's probably the goal is probably the most, you know, the best feeling I've ever had in football when we took the lead by a mile. Um, that initial sort of ten ten seconds was just insane. Yeah, no, un- un- unbelievable. Like, I, mean, I don't know what it was like for you guys, but like for us, it was fucking. That was. It was brilliant, um, and yeah, like, I thought we, I thought we kept the ball pretty well against Tottenham, albeit it was in our own half. And you know, I think the goal, oh, the goal did it. Kind of pissed them off a wee bit. The boys on the bench said that Bale and Modric were told to go and warm up. So that's it. The big goal's uh, coming off the bench. Yeah. So ten minutes we held them out for. So yeah, I was yeah, gutted at that to be honest. Um, after the goal, we, you know, he felt he maybe, you know, he maybe got a draw here, maybe, but, but nah, it's, so I was disappointed. And the Pout game away, uh, got the old rested shout. Because um, we were playing UCD for the league. The game after, I was on the bench for that game. Um, you got your 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 yeah. new, the sending off that we were talking about. Yeah, I got sent off, and then the last game against. Like no, I was. I should never have played. In hindsight, like I was, I was popping, popping pills to get through that season. Um, <laughs> you know, daily. It's yeah, Fergal, the physio, he had, he had I think it was tramadol. I think so. I was just taking them, you know, four or five times a day, like so, um, just to get through that the iron part of the season and that. Like, like I was really poor that night against Pauk. It was this, it was Salpin Giras, the striker, we guy, the wee Greek striker. He's very good, yeah. Um, he went, yeah, he was brilliant. Like I was, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was brilliant. So, um, yeah, it was a disappointing, disappointing end to the season. Um, but like I, you know, I knew I was going to get an operation. I was going to get another double here and there. 
at the end after that game. So I knew I'd missed the I knew I'd missed the the Kazan away game and the Tottenham game, unfortunately. But look at it, it's what it is. There was a there was just a massive a massive golf in class. Yeah, and that's all you can put it down. I mean, um, you know, our efforts can't be faulted at all in any of the games. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, they're just yeah, miles away. You mentioned the uh, UCD. That's when we sealed back-to-back league titles, and you were sent off. Mike O'Neill yeah. brings on Ken O'Man, who had missed a chunk of the season. Dean Kelly, who had missed a lot of the season. Really showing how yeah. Mike O'Neill, he always saw as a squad game. So what do you think of his man management and what was he like to work with? Yeah, he was, yeah, he was good. Like, um, yeah, he knew how to, yeah, he knew how to manage you know, probably everyone. Um, like myself, he knew that you know, I, could, I, could take a, I could take a block in. So you know, I got quite a few of them, to be honest, of them. So um, and then he... You know, you've got guys like Bocker and stuff like that. You know how you handle all the guys as well. So, yeah, it was great. It was great with everyone, to be honest. Like, um, and yeah, the, the strength and depth in the squad was, especially that 2011 season, was, you know, it was unbelievable. And you know, Michael had to make a lot of brave calls during that season, especially. You know, I, I missed the I missed the first four or five months of that year. And, um, I tore my hamstring twice, um, and he's put me in for the. He's put me back in for the draw of the game. Played, he's dropped Ken. He's put me in. I think I scored with one three 0 but then he's brought me back out. So there was a sort of five six game period where he was, you know, he was. He was. We all got dropped at some point. Chapman and James, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even even Muz got, you know, even Muz got told to come come and sit beside me, big man. Um, I think it was a Bulls game actually, which made it even you know, an even bigger decision to drop your captain for a for a derby game. It's a big call, but um, no, you just you just knew if you if you weren't performing at a you know at a certain level, then you'd be you'd be sitting beside Michael um, on the bench. So you had to you had to perform every week because somebody would somebody just as good as you or better would would just come in and take your place. So. Which is what you did, and that. Really, because in yeah. December 2011, you got Shamrock Rovers Player of the Year, but you weren't there. You had to go undergo an important operation. So it was a good season overall, but ended on a bit of a sour note, considering you had to go and get an operation. But there was light at the end yeah. of the tunnel with the with the Player of the Year award. So what do you remember from that night? Um, I I wasn't there because yeah, I was in it. Leicester. Um, so. Um, there'd been there'd been murmurs that you know it's potentially I would have got it. I thought Sully probably should have got it to be honest, especially coming back for his, for his knee injury. But there you go, um, I got it, and you know obviously delighted. So, um, but the guy that couldn't be there to receive the award. Um, Does it make it a little bit more special that the fans shows you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, I, I, yeah. It's a great, it's a great feeling to. To receive that for the for the fans, you know, um, especially in you know the type of season it's arguably the one of the best seasons in the club's the club's history. So yeah, um, yeah you know, obviously delighted, delighted to, to walk away with that. 
So we'll, we'll fast forward and we have the Michael O'Neill leaving the club and then we have the Stephen Kenny season. So Stephen went on to have great success with Dundalk and he's the Ireland international manager now. So what, in your opinion, went wrong with Stephen and Rovers and why didn't it work out? It's a, it's a difficult one. Uh, obviously, the timing of the season overlapping. Our season ran on a bit longer, didn't it? Yeah. Um, to mid December, I think. Um, so at that point, Michael still hasn't left. And obviously, all the, all the business gets done at the end of October, doesn't it? So boys get signed up, and you know, people aren't going to hang about and wait for six weeks. And it's just, just in case, you know, Shamrock Rovers might, might sign them. So. Um, yeah, when did Steve Stephen came in about seven? So I mean, even myself, like I'm sitting in Edinburgh, like twiddling my thumbs, like wondering what's what's going on. And um, luckily, Stephen got the job, and he, he wanted to keep me on. I mean, like he never he never kept big muzz on Flinny, um, like a few others that he never kept on. So obviously, delighted to resign, but um, I don't think he. I think there was obviously players that maybe he wanted to to get in that he couldn't get because of the because of what happened the previous season. The players, you know, joining other teams. I, I don't know, but even when you look back at the squad that we had, we, again we should have yeah we should have done a hell of a lot better than than what we've done. And you have to look back at your you know your own performances, and you know I wasn't. I was performing nowhere near the, the sort of levels that I had been in the sort of two and a half years before. I mean, you know, I can remember I was at fault for, you know, goals up at, up at Bray. We drew that game. Derry, we drew one each. Uh, Shells, we drew two each. I mean, so they, straight away, you know, there's, there's nine points if you want to potentially cost... There was, a lot, there was a lot of low points, wasn't there? There was the 4 nil defeat yeah, to Bowles. Was, there was going out in Europe to a below average of Cranus. And um, yeah. you, you nearly you nearly scored in Lithuania. Would have took us through with a glamour tie against Anderlecht. So the, it was just oh, a bad yes. season. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. It was it was disappointing. It was disappointing. Listen, you just have to you just have to look back and you know just be honest to yourself. Like I didn't perform to the to the standards that you know I had been performing at. You know there was you know we still we still won off fair amount of games we started the season pretty well I think um, but yeah obviously there was there was really bad defeats in there I mean Pat losing 5-1 at Pats I mean that's that's unacceptable um, I can't I actually got dropped through the Bulls game the 4-0 game I never played in that um, and then I think they, I think, he, I think we lost against Bulls again I was injured I never played that game either and then after that he was he was gone um, it was it was, just had, a, it was just a right off that season actually, yeah but we'd actually, we'd actually done we'd actually played quite well so, leading up to that um, I think we went through a sort of 10, 12 game period we were, we were doing well and I can, he, he actually offered me he actually said to me like I want you to, to stay for next season so you know I can remember we played I think we played Cork in the Cup and we went down to Cork after that and we beat them. I think we beat we won and we played really well. And he's proved me after that. And he's like, listen, I'm, you know, I want I want you to be here next season. And was that something you know you want to be here? And I was like, yeah, yeah. So, you know, how did your release come about? And if that was the case, how did how did your release come about? And so, 
Um, so I obviously been away for home for for four years, and um, you know it wasn't great. Uh, it wasn't great for my uh, missus. She couldn't get a job over here at all. Um, over in Ireland, sorry. So, uh, so looking at other options, and Australia came up. And to be fair, I was going to just, I would have just, I would have just stayed at Rovers, and you know, that I wouldn't have went down. I wouldn't have went down too well with her, but you know, I was, I was going to take the chance. Um, I'd steer instead. Uh, but Brian Laws came in, and you know, in the first, the first meeting he had, he was just like, look, listen, I'm. I'm only here to, to advise the board on, you know, who to keep and who to, who not to keep for next season, which I thought was a bizarre thing to come out with on your on your first meeting. So yeah, it is. After, after that, I was just kind of like, mm. but you, you don't know who's going. You don't, you don't know who's going to get the job, and you know, Brian Laws could come in and say, well, you know, Craig Service he's shite, don't <laughs> keep him, and then somebody else just to come in and. You know, well, why did you not keep him? Like, you know, you could have been somewhere else. And yeah, I just thought it was a bizarre thing to say. So that kind of kind of made my decision there. I was like, mm, right, maybe we should look look elsewhere. And then the Australia thing came up. But in hindsight, it's a wonderful thing. Like I should never have went to Australia. It was just a fucking disaster. Like playing for Hume City, was it? it? Was a was a yeah. It was just it was shite. <laughs> it was the, the warning signs were there. Like I can remember speaking to. Uh, I can remember Robbo went over to Australia um, after, I, think, I don't know if it was directly after he left us, but I remember speaking to Ricer asking how he was getting on, and he was like, even Robbo said it was shite, and Sully had been away and he came back, and you know, like I say, the, the warning signs were there, but yeah, I went for it, and yeah, it was just a, it was just a disaster, I mean, it was, you know, it was Leinster Senior League standard, maybe, mm. you know, it was just a big drop, and you know, you try your best and you try and be as professional as you can, but, you know, you never got, I never got paid for half the season. It was just, yeah, it was just, it was bizarre. You were getting paid cash as well, so you'd go long periods without getting any money. And you can remember one night I went to training, it was a Monday night, they'd usually give you your wages. And, um, this had been like four weeks, I'd, I'd had nothing. So I went and seen the manager, I was like, listen, that's four weeks now, I'm your duty, 3,000. $3,200 over Jimmy. I said, like, you're Jimmy, there's some of your money. I was like, right, right, I'll try and sort it. So I went back, got changed. He's like, yeah, Sylvie, come here. So like, it was a gangster that ran the team, eh? Um, <laughs> so this boy, one of his, one of his henchmen's in the fucking, he's in the, he's in the changing room, or the room next to the changing room, and he's like, yeah, how much, how much are we due you? I was like, $3,200. He was like, right, okay. Um, since you're from the UK and you know you've came a long way, we'll, we'll give you the money. So just pulled out fifty knots, fifty dollar knots, absolute wad of cash, and just counted out in front of me, gave me it before training, and that was it. And then that was it. Never got paid again. So I was due like five, six grand by the end of the season, like so. But yeah, it was just a shit. It was just football wise, it was a you know it was a disaster. And you know Trev got the job as well. Trev, Trev phoned me just a couple of days before I was due to fly out as well. And, you know, had I knew Trev was getting the job, I would have, you know, I would have stayed. So, yeah, it was just, yeah, it was just a disappointing, disappointing year, football-wise. Um, but um, to go to Australia and you know see different parts of Australia and different parts of the world, went to China, went to went over Asia and stuff like that. So, 
it was good in that sense, but football-wise, it was uh, it was a disaster. We have another uh, fan question here. Who's the best player you played against in the League of Ireland? Uh, Gary O'Neill. Gary O'Neill, by a country mile. I was delighted we signed him. We played, we played Fingal three times, I think. Four times. And I, I played centre-half. Three of them. And he, I just, he was just a... Just with his height. He's a player's yeah. favourite, isn't he? Every every player says he's he's fantastic. Yeah, he's brilliant. He's brilliant. Um, yeah, he just he's, I, yeah, he just he was good at holding the ball in, and you know, if any headers, you know, obviously Matt, there was a there was a big height difference, so there was he was good at making you sort of climb over the top of him and you know get fouls and nah, he was just he was he was a real handful, like good, really good player. So yeah, by a mile, like he was. He was the, he was the, the most difficult, difficult opponent. And we'll expand that now as well with your whole career. Best player you've ever played with, and against. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't like to say. I wouldn't like to give a name, but obviously, Big Moz was great. But then, you know, a really good partnership. But then, on the same token, I think we had a good partnership with Edo, had a good partnership with Ken. I mean, when, you know, but. In the games I played, I kept a lot of clean sheets. I don't know, I don't know what the official official stats are. So I felt we've kept a lot of clean sheets in the, the games I played. So um, yeah, I, I, don't, I, couldn't put, I couldn't put my finger on. Yeah. What about playing against? What about um, a lot of quality? Overall, player against who do you think is the best player you've ever played against? So including Scotland and whatever else. Eh, just. Uh, just in terms of giving me a really tough game, would have been the boy for Pugs Alaka, Salpingiris. Like again, similar similar height and stature to, to Gary O'Neill. Um, where you know, with a bit of pace, which just made him an absolute nightmare. Um, so yeah, I'd probably have to yeah, I'd probably have to go with him to be honest. Like I could throw in the Real Madrid names and the, the Juventus names, but you know, they were for forty five minutes or ninety yeah. minutes, so um now nah, Salping Salpingiris for me, was probably the best, the best player I came up against. So then you returned home to Scotland to play for Livingston for two years, and you won the Scottish Challenge Cup with the Lions. And then you went to Cowdenbeath and Lone for making the move permanent, and then uh, you struggled to adapt part-time football and juggle it with the new job. So ultimately, led to you hanging up your boots. Can you remember the decision? Why you decided, okay, I'm done? Uh, yeah, I was just my legs had gone, so went to Livingston. Uh, when was it? So it would have been. I finished the 2013 season there. Played 24. So it was 2015, start 2015, 2016 season. And yeah, I, I, I was at, I was at Ibrox and I've, I've just tackled the boy and my backs went. But I managed to, I managed to get through the next sort of 10, 15 minutes. I'm just thinking in my head like I was, I was part like I was just shuffling about. I was like we were just sitting backs against the wall. So I was like, if I can get to half time here, I'll be, I'll be all right. I'll come off. But I was like, if I have to run behind here, I'm, I'm going to be struggling. And lo and behold, I did. Boys running behind, I've chased him. He's turned back uh, to cut inside me, and as I've turned, my hamstrings went as well. But it was a proper rip. Like, oh. I knew I was gone. Like, um, so yeah, I had to, I had to come off. So I've torn my hamstring, and then my back got that 
got that scanned and basically the disc had just uh, the disc had bulged out so that was pressing up against my nerves so like I couldn't feel all down my left hand side of my leg so I was I was gone so I missed like six six months of that season and uh, yeah when I came back I just I just wasn't right like so um, that was that you just really yeah yeah so got released for Livingston um I knew that. I kind of knew that was coming. Um, although they dangled the carrot when we going on loan, they did say if you do well, you know, potentially you could. We'll see if we can work something out for next season. But I think they were just they were just saying that to to appease you. Really, um, I was never going to get kept on um, after missing the majority of the season. Um, and I went to after that. Actually, I was quite. You know, I was ready just to stop playing there. But um, a guy, Liam Fox got the manager's job he's only a couple of years older now he was in the youth team at Hearts and he got the job at Cowden and uh, it was him that kind of persuaded me to well he obviously persuaded me to, to go to Cowden Beath um, I like I did say I'm, I was like I'm you know I'm struggling like I'm and he's like nah nah you'll be alright you'll be alright but nah just anytime we'd done running I'd be last anytime I was in the middle of a possession box could never get out because I just couldn't get close to anyone. Um, yeah, I was just gone. Like my legs had gone. So uh, it was sort of December time, towards the end of the, uh, the end of the year, 2016. I just, I think I'd sat on the bench for one of the games, and it was ter- it was just it was just a shocker. And I was just like, if I can't get a game here, like you know, what's the point? So, so are you uh, still living in Edinburgh since you hung up the boots? Yeah, yeah, I've been here. And what have you been up to? Uh, various things. Um, at the moment, I'm driving the buses. Um, so it's the first first full time job I managed to I managed to get um, since since I stopped playing. Um, I had a job. Uh, what was I doing? When I signed for signed for Cowden. So I left Livingston. I signed for Cowden, but I was working at the airport. Uh, just as, just for Menzies, just as a baggage handler, just chucking bags onto the plane. Yeah, uh, it wasn't great for the back, but it was a job. It was only tw- it was only part time, um, and then I got a full time job um, working for a courier company called Herms over here. Um, so I was like, I was just going in and I was re- trying to recruit folk, and yeah, it was bizarre. Like I'm I'm there conducting interviews with folk, folk. Are, Dressing up all smart, like want to be a courier, and fucking hell. <laughs> so I just, had to, I just had to blag my way through that, and I enjoyed it. Um, but it was only a, it was only a three month, a three month contract. But I kind of got shafted a wee bit there because the boy did say there was a, they were creating a new role for, for someone. Um, so that would have made, there was two of us that were temporary, so, that, um, and there was seven that were permanent. So they were creating two new roles and he says I wanted you nine to be part of my team so I thought I was I thought I'd have a full time job. Um, so that kind of made up my mind as well to stop playing. Um, and then it turned around that they pulled that job away from me. So next thing you know you're you've got nothing. Yeah. So and I and I had uh, at this point I've had I've got two kids at this point as well. So um joined the post office um so I was supposed to for you well, but that wasn't full time. Um, worked for Aldi again, but that was that wasn't 
you were told that was going to be full time, but it turned out it wasn't. Um, and then eventually joined the buses, so driving the buses now full time. So Three kids. And yeah, uh, that's it. You're, change days. Change days. That's retirement for you, isn't it? So yeah, you're doing your coaching badges now, B license. How are you getting on with that? Yeah, I just started it on uh, a week ago, last Sunday. So obviously, because of all the all the shit that's going on, it's, it's all it's all been online. So they've, they've kind of compressed ten days working to six days, and um, yeah, it's, it's, it was hard going. Like it was pretty intense. So, um, but now I've got through the first week, and you know you've got plenty of assignments to do for the end of June, and um, yeah, we'll just we'll see how it goes. See how it goes. I've been doing a bit of coaching for eighteen months now, so I just felt the time was right to, you know, maybe try and get a bit more uh, qualified in that field. So, uh, no, I enjoyed. I enjoyed the week. It was like I say, it was pretty intense and it was all online. But, um, but no, we'll, we'll see. We'll see where that goes. See where it takes us. Uh, just a few more fan questions. We don't mind, Craig. You're, you're a popular chap, so a lot of people send in questions. You made uh, 122 competitive appearances in total. So Mick Kearns asks, which of those was your best ever game for the Hoops, do you reckon? Mick Kearns. Okay, he was. I think he's friends um, with your dad, Stuart. Yes, yeah, so I met him. The through, whack. Um, so I stayed with Stephen and Tracy and they had friends, Eamon and Mary, and I stayed with him as well for about a week and Mick Kearns was friends with Eamon and that's how it all came about, so... Um, and when my dad came over, they would they would go drinking it. Um, I was staying in Temple Oak, and uh, yeah, anyway, so I had met Mick through him, and um, before I'd even played for Rovers, so you know he filled me in with you know what it means to play for Rovers. So I was well versed before that. Yeah, well versed by me, certainly. He's the right man yeah. to get you well versed, isn't he? Yeah. So, um, but in terms of best game, I. Um, I think it maybe the maybe the one of the Bulls games. I think after the Copenhagen game, and that was one of my one of my better games. The one where uh, Dan and Ryan have went head to head. I think that game. I'd probably that would be up there one of my better games. Oh, that was Daily Man. Yeah, Daily Man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, decent record against. I enjoyed all the Bulls games. I really enjoyed the games actually. Like a record against them. I'm thinking about it. I've only lost I've only lost one game that I played in. I think that was the twenty ten game when they beat us one 0 Um so yeah, probably probably that game would be one of my one of my best games to be honest. I felt I done quite well in the final against Stigo, but obviously the obviously the result never went to went to plan. But no, nah, I'd say that game. Uh, we heard that you were delighted when you heard that Rovers uh, won the cup in November. So do you still keep an eye on us? Yeah, so I, I was actually at the where did I watch the? Uh, I was at the Hearts Rangers semi. They played on the same day. Um, but I got text badger before the game. Uh, wishing good luck, and I watched the penalties on the bus on the way home. So and I delighted for Brad's on, you know, Big Al, Finner, uh, Greenard as well, still playing. So. Yeah, just delighted for, for everyone connected with the club, really, after I mean, how many years is it now? Is it, how many years is it since they won the cup? 25? 22. It had been 32 oh. years, yeah. 32, 32. Yeah. No, it was, it was the 25th time I had up, was it? Yeah, so it's, you know, it was something that's, uh, 
you know, obviously, Gutty, we couldn't win it against Sligo in 2010. But, no, the for, for everyone connected with the club. It's, uh, and obviously the fans as well. I mean, what, what a night. Like that, like that would have been for you all. So, so yeah, delayed, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, Rovers can kick on and you know catch catch Dundalk. Which you know, looking back, you know that that could have been us. That could have been a sham of Rovers. You know what I mean? That went in all those leagues and and whatnot. But you know, what's happened happened, and yeah, it's what it is. I don't know how much of uh, the current team you've seen, but uh, David Kernan asks, is there a Roberts player, maybe like the likes of Jack Byrne or Graham Burke, who you, you'd like to have played with since you left the club? Um, I think, to be honest, I haven't seen many games, if I'm being honest. Um, it's, it's not a, Unfortunately, it's not broadcasted over here. It's, it's something you kind of have to, to look for yourself. Um, but, you know, I've watched, uh, I watched a couple of European games and a stream on a stream online, so yeah, but no, he, he looks a he looks a good player, and obviously if you're, you're getting captured to your country, you know I must have something about him. So yeah, um, yeah, he looks a top player, and you know fair play to Rovers for being able to keep him. Right? Rebecca Dunn says the entire Dunn family misses you. Yeah, you were their favourite <laughs> player. So did you feel you had a good relationship with the fans? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, I, I was—I wouldn't say I was apprehensive, but like, I knew—I knew I had to prove myself when I came into the came into the team. I mean, you know, Dara was a fan's favourite, Ada was a fan's favourite. I think they'd both been Player of the Year the two seasons leading up to to 2009. So, um, you know, if I was going to be taking either one of their places in the team, you know, I had to make sure that I was performing well. And I think the night up in Delhi, that was. It's when he started singing the song, so that was that was a that was an incredible moment actually. Come think about it. Um, so yeah, that's when you kind of realise that okay, right, you know they might they might actually they might actually like you. Um, but yeah, good. Yeah, never I never had any I never had any bother with fans to be honest. There was a few shouts obviously the sort of twenty twelve season which were you know fully deserved to be honest. Um, um, but you know in the, in the main yeah never. Never had an issue with anyone, to be honest. And did you um, like your son? <laughs> yeah. Took us a while to get the pronunciation. Yeah. I don't think that was your fault. I think it was the commentators. It was calling his surveys and whatnot. Like, it was, I don't know. It's not your, I suppose it's not your fault. Uh, the actual pronunciation, yeah. though. What is what is the actual pronunciation? Civis. Civis. We were. We still say Civis. Civis. That's a short e. There we go. Yeah. How long have we know? Civis. <laughs> it's, it's a good thing we rang you. Yeah. We're saying Civis for years. Ah, call it what you want. There you go. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Civis. Yeah, uh, that's it. Pretty simple, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hooperman wants to know. Did you enjoy giving him a lift home and asking him did he want pasta carbonara for the journey's home? Ah, uh, Luke, how's he getting on? Good lad. Yeah, we've had him on the show before lad. as well. Yeah. He was good at keeping that Hooperman fucking helmet on, wasn't he? I always try to pull off him. Yeah. He was super glued on. Um, do you remember Bo- no, he's... Do you remember Bocker doing oh, the dive oh. and tackle on him after the goal against Mel <laughs> Yeah. Oh, Bocker, what a lad. He's some boy. Um, yeah, I can remember that, yeah. Aye. 
that was a good night as well. Yeah. Well, no, I was, uh, I, yeah, Luke was a nice guy, yeah, so he was, I think he stayed around the corner for us, actually. He stayed pretty close to us, so, yeah, he was, he was, uh, yeah, he was waiting about after the game, so I was like, you are left home, so. So, uh, we're going to go with the, can you think of any funny moments on the pitch, the funniest moments you can think of on or off the pitch in football? I know I'll put you on the spot. I don't know, yeah, I don't know funny, I don't know if funny moments, I'm trying to get Funny hangs that happened. I mean, plenty of taking a swig of the, the bottle of coke that was launched on it. Daily, man. Oh, God. That was pretty funny. Uh, in terms of funny moments, I don't know. Nah, not, not much on the pitch. Sorry. Sorry about that. Uh, the last question is yeah. a bit of a cheeky one. And uh, right. do you think Hearts should have been relegated? Uh, based on performances, yeah. So you be, would you go regularly if season take a holder and... Nah, uh, I just don't get don't get the time. Just don't get the time. Um, you know, we've the team I'm coaching. I we play on Saturdays now um, at the same time. So, uh, and you know, I could be you know I could be working. I, I work shifts now. So, yeah. What What's your opinion on how the whole league was resolved? It's a bit of shambles, isn't it? A bit of a shambles. I mean, I felt there was a good. A good opportunity to go and do to go into the sort of summer season. Yeah. Um, you know, you could have just obviously it comes down to players' contracts and, and whatnot, but uh, you know they, they could have gave all the teams the the minimum amount of money. You know, say the say the prize money for finishing bottom. Yeah. Well, that's the minimum. That's the minimum that every team is going to get. So you know, give them that money to see them through. You know this this period and. You know, players are what is it? Guys are getting eighty percent of your wages up to two and a half grand. So there's, you know, the amount of players that run two and a half grand or more in Scotland are, you know, it's not going to be a particularly big percentage. So clubs aren't actually paying a hell of a lot towards wages. I'd yeah. imagine. I imagine most of the players are, are being furloughed. So, um, so yeah, they could have helped the club out in that sense, or the clubs out, and then, you know, I think football will return uh, at some point. So yeah, they could have just put on hold and you know seen the season out before the before the calendar year and you know then maybe that's just my opinion. That obviously I've had the experience of yeah, yeah. Four, four years of playing under and I, I quite enjoyed the format. From being honest with you, um, so yeah, I felt that that was a direction they could have went down. But no, it was just it was just a shambles of the whole you know asking clubs to vote and then votes not going in on time and yeah, it's just it's just been a bit of an embarrassment to be honest. Um, but like as a player, if you think, uh, if you think, let's say, as a player, a footballer's opinion, and you didn't get to see out the season, would you feel if you, were, let's say, for instance, you play for Celtic, would you feel there's something lacking as regards to being um, awarded the well, title? Slightly, slightly, but Celtic were. You know, I think yeah, Rangers clawed them back up until the winter break, and then you know the wheels came off. Um, so Celtic were, Celtic were thirteen ahead, I think. Um, and they're, like, they're the best team in the country by well, country metal. Yeah. Um, so they, they, were, they were always going to win the league anyway. Um, like in my opinion, and you know everybody's a, well, apart from the Rangers fans, obviously. But um, yeah, you'd, yeah, you'd, I don't know. I'd be, be a strange, it'd be a strange one. I'd be gutted if I was at Hearts and you've just been relegated. And yeah. I know there's there's eight games left and there's four points there, but like, that could. 
it could be that could have been clawed back, and you still got the playoffs to go through as well. Well, you did at the time. I mean, you haven't anymore because obviously they scrapped the the championship and League One and League Two as well. But yeah, if I, yeah, if I was a Hearts player, I'd be obviously I'd be devastated. Um, but yeah, it's it's what it is. Yeah, that's it's, it. Uh, it's testing times. Um, very very strange. Well, listen, we want to say a big thank you, Craig, right? You've been brilliant today. It's fantastic stuff, sharing your memories with us. It was, uh, it was brilliant to hear from you because you were a bit of a ghost uh, for a few I years. We couldn't get in touch with anybody, anyone who knew you. We were thinking, poor Craig has gone off the map. So we're glad to hear you're safe uh-huh. and, and, and well. Yeah, I'm absolutely fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it was good to, it's good to reminisce. I could have spoke for a lot longer there. I don't know, there's loads of stuff coming back in my head now. now we- now we start talking about it, but no, um, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed my time there. Obviously, it ended in the end great. Um, so that'll, you know, that's something that'll, um, yeah, that's, I'm pleased about that. You know, to end on a, what was it, 3 0, 3 1 defeat to Derry, and then an unused sub for the last two games. So, yeah, I didn't really get the chance to sort of see your. Your goodbye, so to speak, but ah, is there anything you'd want to say to the Hibs fans now? Ah, just everybody stay safe and you know, look after yourselves. And you know, yeah, like I said, I was probably enjoying my time at the club. Um, you know, everybody everybody made you feel welcome, and you know, those away trips as well, where you got to speak to fans and all those things that just doesn't happen, you know, you go on European trips to teams in Scotland it's you know you're straight up the road after the game whereas you know we've got chances to, to have nights out and you know for painting that with the fans it was, it was different and, you know it was good um, so yeah everybody stay safe that's all I can really Excellent. say listen thanks Craig it was brilliant talking to you thanks a million Craig yeah appreciate the call cheers guys so back from Civi and uh, yeah he, he, he started to really open up off air more than anything so but uh, I was really happy with that. It was once again, you don't know when he's gonna stop. So you're just trying to jump in to, to get your question in. Oh, he was a hell of a talker, and Gary just trolling Jason Maloney at the end of that interview. Certainly not. I just <laughs> wanted to get a couple of things cleared up. I didn't mention any names. Ill and ill trolling. Not a chance. Very very fond of the man. Um, yeah. So great stuff from Civi. Uh, next up, my. I want Turner next for for me. I think we need to delve deeper into the in, into the archives and get some more stories. I think he's a lot more likely to talk, give us a bit of juice. Um, I think that's an impersonal one, though. Yeah, I think so. We have to get him somewhere and get a few points into him. Yeah. So the players and the staff of all four clubs have returned negative test results for the third time this week. Group training resumed for Rovers. Don't have balls in Derry on Monday and following the guidelines set out for June eighth. Unlike a certain someone. Mm-hmm. I, I heard on the way over here, actually, that Bowes are still waiting on their second round of tests. So, they haven't been confirmed negative yet. I thought it was us. That's what I heard on, Derry, yeah, Bowes. That's what I heard on the... All, oh, like, negative. Yeah, well, the, I think the second round. Was that the second round or the fourth or the third? Whatever, either way. The that's one, what I said on the radio, but not to be trusted at times. The news story put out last night, that was the third round of testing. Third round? Yeah. Oh, I'm way behind. So... Yeah, no, a step forward in the right direction, uh, despite Bo's best efforts. <laughs> the vi- the photograph of him, of Long, <laughs> he's just turning into the photo, and whoever took it, took it just as he was in <laughs> mid-rage. 
could not time it any better. Are you Rovers? I want, put that side by side with your man chasing Conan Kearns at the UCD ball. <laughs> Just two brilliant looks. Delete that. Are you Rovers? I think that was one of his quotes. Another one of his quotes. See the picture of Jack Burton being getting the swab. Yeah, he was taking it down the throat, doesn't he? I know it's professional testing, but it's just a mad photograph. It's weird. You know what I mean? It's been photoshopped to bits as well. It's just asking for memes. Ah, asking for them, yeah. Yeah, so at Rosestone, um, elaborate preparations have been made to ensure player and staff safety. Dan McDonald wrote the following. The club could have had larger groups training together in light of Friday's redrawing of the roadmap, but has stuck to its original plan, in part to guard against the muscle injuries that have apparently been common in leagues that have come back quickly. That's interesting. Mm. Didn't know that. So there's quite a few muscle injuries, people coming back and straining themselves, getting into it too quickly. I had heard Bradger say that on the news a few weeks prior, so it sounds like they've been planning this for mm. a while. We've Dan's piece continuing, and he says, Are you trying out for the next Ghostbusters movies? Shout with a grin and Joey O'Brien at Groundsman, John Cregan. Uh, Joey's gas, says Cregan, his own smile obscured by a face mask. It's, it's not. It's not hard to see that the former international is getting... Uh, anyway, Cregan is covered from head to toe in protective clothing, has a tank of disinfectant strapped to his back, and he's just used it to spray balls used by the now departing goalkeepers before they're given the day's force group of five mm. outfield players. Plus, I saw them spraying down all the mm. uh, Darren Dillon's dungeon equipment. So, um, Gotta yeah. disinfect your balls. Gotta disinfect your balls. It's something yeah. that we really do preach on this show. Gotta have clean yeah. balls. And there's been some transfer activity in D24, Gary. They kept this one quiet. Uh, we've signed Chris Kamara. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking... Uh, who was I thinking? I was thinking Lionel Richie, maybe. <laughs> but the the hair, I'm hoping he keeps it. Oh, definitely. I'm hoping it puts a bit of shape to it. And maybe gets those big lamb chop sideburns. You mm. see them big, huge, thick ones that go all the way down? Can you put one of those combs in it as well and just yeah, keep it there? Yeah, so put a comb in it as well. And then maybe a collar. Get an extended collar on his jersey. That flicks up all the way, <laughs> and then boom, we're yeah. back in the eighties. Yeah, this is Pika we're talking about. Obviously, he was he was finally presented with his uh, Player of the Month award for February, so that was belated. Yeah, it was well deserved as well. Was um, it? I can't even remember February. Ah, yeah, a lifetime ago. Yeah. Pika was brilliant, brilliant. Uh, only best I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he Jeez, was. Good. It's been it's been a while, isn't it? Um, yeah. So after weeks of talks. Between officials in Abbottstown and club reps, this Thursday the FAI are due to finally produce their financial package which would allow for a resumption of the League of Ireland, the only league in Europe currently without a set date for a resumption. So no surprises there. Um, We'd, if we don't have a return date, we're going to be the laughing stock of Europe. So we need to come back. Like even now on the way over here, like traffic is heavy. Everybody's back working. I couldn't even get parking to, to come in here. And this is on a road. The four provinces, there's no parking outside that. Um, things are well and truly back up and running. So uh, a date, a set date for the League of Ireland return mm. is a must. Well, this this meeting on Thursday, uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, so we don't know what happened yet. But it's going to be make or break, really, isn't it? It really is. It's. Um, I think if we're going to go for predictions to what's going to happen on as regards to actual how many games are going to scalp are they going to stick to the previous plan that they had even though there's no date of 27 of games. 27 games can Could. they do that how long will that run 
Will it be an absolutely jam-packed schedule where players are still not exactly fresh and coming back to full fitness and they're going to be playing a lot of games in the space of a short amount of time? This could have potential for an absolute clanger when you think about it. They could really fuck this up if they don't get it right and players aren't fit. Do you get me? Yeah. They could really, really get it wrong. Well, I read that they're planning to do it from August to December. That's, that's extremely short. That would have to be an 18-game season. We could be playing... Then again, will it be nine clubs? That's it. I doubt it. There's, people, there's clubs dragging their heels now as well. Mm. Well, Stephen Bradley was on the news again. He said he came out and said that we can't let a couple of clubs prevent the league from returning this year. The gloves are off. <laughs> and we, we have been hearing that it's Cork and Sligo who were the biggest obstacle, obstacles. And uh, you know they're at the bottom of the table after five games played, which wouldn't normally be that significant, but... In a 27-game season, or especially an 18-game season, they'd be in danger of relegation. Different crack altogether, isn't it? Big financial uh, repercussions. Uh, Cork have, have players on loan from the UK and have to send them back. All gone. Cork Plus, any, any, I think Sligo still got a couple of uh, international players yeah. that were brought in. They're gone. They're loan yeah. scenes. So their squads are scant and bare. But, I mean, something has to happen. What do they want? Just like Surely they could resume. In some sort of way, like there's players out there. But consider how how much in a bad way Cork were even before this. They had to sell their Sean Maguire sell-on clause just to pay their registration or pay their license fee. That's not good for the league. So that that was before the pandemic. So that's dire straits even before yeah. we even yeah. got going in the actual league itself. So the FEI are going to cover the testing, which apparently is nearly five hundred grand. So the clubs don't have to worry about that for the time being. Whoa, whoa, hold on. Overall? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was making sure. Not just it's for, still a lot though, isn't it? Not just for uh, Cork, no. But uh, <sighs> I don't know if you heard Graham Cummins on the RT Soccer Podcast. No, this has been the hot topic in the last day or two. He said that he personally hasn't kicked the ball in three months. Um, did he also say, I think... He, I think none of the players are training individually. No, Banjo, Banjo, Waterford are Banjo, aren't they? Banjo, Alan Reynolds, he's gone to Dundalk. Captain Mikey O'Connor has left. The owner, Lee Power, is in difficulties as well. So you'd wonder if they come back at all. Especially because well, the news that came out in the paper was that what the FAI are planning to present is no repercussions if you decide not to come back. So there's no promotion and relegation. If you don't come back, there's no repercussions. So, is there any incentive to come back for those clubs? Yeah, there you go. They'll, uh, they, they might not want to just resume. They'll just say, okay, well, listen, we can't mm. do it. But surely there's um, repercussions for that. Like, if you turn around to them and say, okay, well, here's the resumption. We're going to come back on this date and that date. And they're like, yeah, well, we're not coming back. So, surely mm. that's expulsion or something or some sort of fine. You know, you can't just say we're not coming back. Well, what they mean is not coming back in 2020. So, then we have a reduced league this year. I think I read something about splitting it in half to decide the so Europe. So teams just won't compete places. in this in this year? That's nuts. Yeah. So it's like, oh, it's like, oh, imagine that. Imagine that as a fan. You're like, yeah, we're just not going to bother this year. I know it's been a crazy year and we've had unprecedented uh, yeah. events, but we're just not going to play in the league. <laughs> imagine. It's, it's crazy. There goes our 6-0 win over Cork. I know, yeah. But uh, Gareth, it's a complicated issue and... Our good friend Barry Bear has decided to weigh in with this. He's left us this voice message. So here As forever, the man of reason, the voice of reason, and this is Barry Bear. Women, I'm not, 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 I'
So yeah, as you said, never changed. He's never changed, but he's delighted to be nominated for a banana. <laughs> as Scar Brennan said. <laughs> if, uh, actually, we want we want all the anyone listening. We want your interpretation of this, yeah. and the best one will get uh, a copy of Talat Time. How about that? That's the closest I've heard so far. Why am I nominated for a banana? So the funniest, the funniest translation will get a copy of the Profs and McDara's tal- Um Yeah, fucking brilliant, isn't he? You gotta love the kid. Um, yeah, we're uh, the Tifty Towers, Prof. South Dublin County Council uh, are pressing ahead with the development of a fourth stand. So Tifty's Towers, as it's gonna be named, I'm hearing. I'm hearing that's the the outcry. We have our from, own executive from suite. the fans, yeah. New two thousand, new two and a half thousand seater North Stand is planned, so the anchor tenant Shamrock Rovers will be playing out of ten and a half thousand capacity stadium, and the works are complete, and this is looking absolutely fantastic. Um, was there some sort of change to the original plans as regarding the extension of the bar, the current bar? I think what you're talking about is coming up next. If not, so, so the current bar, uh, we'll talk about that. The following a meeting of the council Monday, the plan will be uh, to commence on part A planning process for the development before the end of this month so Cooney Architects are to design the new north stand and look at the feasibility of remodelling some elements of the west stand so the proposed works to the west hashtag main stand um, were to incorporate additional corporate facilities on a new second floor as well as improve the immediate facilities however following inspection works the planned development will no longer include a new level to the west stand due to prohibitive costs instead and then Enhanced North Stand will be developed to include relocated offices and a shop unit for Shamrock Rovers. So this is a this is a bit of a debate now. So we're moving the shop. Is that what's happening? That's what pretty pretty much says. This is and and a shop unit for Shamrock Rovers. Unless we have some, so I don't know. Listen, plans are all it's all premature now. But uh, if they're gonna give mm. us offices and stuff like that in the North Stand, then that's, I suppose it didn't say additional shop oh. unit. So an old social club maybe, but. Mm-hmm. The Tifty's Towers, that's what I'll be campaigning for. So a 7.7 million euro upgrade. And another another steep behind the goal stand as well, which I'm mm-hmm. I'm interested in. And this is a debate that I'm not sure went on recently, but like who where, who's gonna go there? Would you prefer to be beside the away fans if they're still where they are now and go into the north stand? The club the actually, chilly old stand with the wind coming in from the hills. The club actually sent out a survey recently. I don't know if you saw that. And the North Stand was was part of it. it was part of the questionnaire. It was like, would you rather go here when there's a new North Stand? Plus, it was related to safety and social distancing as well. About returning to not behind closed doors, but you know, returning with restrictions yeah. for fans. Genuine, yeah. not dilemma, but a real, real talking point. Mm. Because this is we've been moved from the east, which was controversial at the time. South stands the home now, but now that the north will be there, do we move in there? Because it's close. Like, what are the what are the talking points here? What what would make you want to go into the north stand? Just it's 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 all very interesting. It's all very interesting, and there's a lot to take in. And is it going to be called the north stand? Do we have naming rights? Can we name it? Like, is like, that these are all things that we we will have to look mm. at going forward. So two and a half thousand North Stand is five hundred more than the South. But uh, no, I don't want to move from the South. Well, I'm happy enough with it. I like yeah. the I like the the fact that it's actually got some sort of temperature, and you're not <laughs> you're not. I think I'd say that stand is going to be freezing. That North yeah. Stand will be freezing, all the wind flying in up the hills. But I yeah, I think I don't like this about the South Stand. Is I screwed over the title of this podcast, but 
we won't we won't get into that. Yeah, <laughs> we won't talk about that. And um, Pat Flynn and John Cody did their best 11s on Rover's social media. So uh, the old John Cody super left foot and yeah. Flinner, um, great few, stuff. I'm loving these 11s. A few dairy legends in in Cody's team. Yep. Great story from Padgett as well because he he briefly played midfield alongside Joey and Doe. And uh, and Dole kept calling them flinchy. <laughs> flinchy? Yeah. Flin- which, which is the exact opposite of him. And Padjo said he tried a ridiculous midfield diag. And Joey saw that this clearly isn't his strong suit. So he pulled him aside at half time and said, said flinchy. <laughs> Just win the ball and give it to the good players. Yeah, that's... Hey, listen... <laughs> That's like standard in some teams. Win yeah. the ball, give it to Jack. That's what we pretty much do. Yeah. Of course, he put Royce in his midfield. Yep. No surprises there. And uh, I don't know if you saw it on Twitter, but I'd never seen a goal. I've never seen a view of Royce's goal at Whitehart Lane from behind the goal before. Maybe it was up at the time, but I just missed it. And Arla Stanford put it up. Oh, man. This this, this this is a cracker. Limbs. Limbs everywhere, absolutely brilliant footage. And of course, once the ball hits the net, the footage is just it's dead. Yeah, because it's just all over the shot. But the build up to it is phenomenal. Absolutely amazing. We had another brilliant initiative by the main man Jason Maloney, uh, who has to start writing the book. If he's not going to write the book during quarantine, are we ever going to get it? This is where we need to push on, start putting some pressure on him, and uh, yeah, we want that book. Some of the passages that he's been writing for years, I just uh, they have to be put down on paper, you know. We had a brilliant initiative by Jason Maloney, and it was a way to boost the Rovers' goal from me. And just a little gentle reminder to Darren Glennon of his pledge to get a Stephen Bradley tattoo if he won the Cup. So people put the word T-A-T, tat, after the name, and it raised about 1,400 quid in the end. So part of 24,000 raised in total. So shout out to Ocean Electrical, our sponsors once again, who've been especially generous in the Rovers' quiz night and uh, throughout. So... Yeah, it has to get done, doesn't it? Like I said, I told Darren, I said, if you want, we could organise it through Mooner, one of our good patrons. He organised our tattoos, so we could have a podcast, we could do it live, we could have a show, a couple of cans, and have a, have a night about it, and then you raise even more money for the GoFundMe. So that is on the table, it's there, everything is laid out for Darren Glenn, all he has to do is lie down and get it done. That's no, all. No excuses. That's all he has to do is lie down and get it done. But this was genius. This was, this was win-win. Put, uh, the, put the pressure on Glenn. The article in the, in the Star was brilliant as well. That was the mirror. Uh, the mirror, was it? Yeah. Don't, they're my pals, girl. Don't get, don't get it wrong. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. just extra pressure. It was brilliant. Well-timed yeah. as well. I love the chat from someone on Facebook. He said they sh- he should... I know you just said get it done at uh, Crew Tattoo in Temple Bar, but this person thinks he should do it in the centre circle. The first game back at Tata. Oh my God. Imagine yeah. that. <laughs> Make an event out of it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Barney wrote this. He said, Glenn's bottle job of the tattoo is as bad as any bottle job I can recall of any Rovers manager in the last 20 years. It's up there with the Sandry 6-4. Get it done, Darren. Ooh. Stinging criticism from the big man, Barney. And if that doesn't cut deep, I don't know what does. It's uh, like I said, get in touch and we'll, we'll organise it. Like I said, all you got to do is turn up, Darren. Uh, a couple of new flags are out. New legends are born in Rings M1. So an ode to the cup final win and mm-hmm. our ultras display. And it's a cracker. So yeah. fair play to the lads. The white horse in the centre. Yeah, it's class. Yeah, I think I saw a cabra hoops, which will go down well in D7. 
Uh, we know we've more stuff coming up now. We've the twenty twenty golf classic takes place at the Palmerstown House Estate on the twenty seventh of August. So uh, register early and contact Peter Madden or email membership at shamrockrovers.ie. So all you golf enthusiasts, I'm sure there's a few out there. A few people have taken it up during the during the quarantine. So uh, check that out. We have a showdown between Mark Turner and Jack Byrne. Yeah, who are constantly on the golf course. Apparently, that's it. We have a new iconic t-shirt range coming as well, so keep an eye out for that. Um, protective masks. We've got our youths masks. Youths, uh, twelve fifty for three. Adults are 14 quid for three, so you can pre-order them as of Wednesday, and that's yesterday if you're listening to this. I'll be getting them as well. I don't think I've worn a face mask once during the whole mm. ordeal, but I think I'm going to wear them now. No, that was exactly my thing, and I have I have yet to wear a face mask. I've been waiting for a Aurora's one, and there was one uh, released few weeks ago online i don't know who made it but it was the wrong crest so i was like nope waiting for the official club no. one i'm not wearing the wrong crest not a chance not happening it'll be a meltdown meltdown in germany <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so definitely check them out they're actually really snazzy i think uh the green and white hoops one is the one i'll be going for it looks like the jersey the joey o'brien he appeared on another podcast a footballer's life with graham cummins so check that one out that's on Spotify if I'm right a rare podcast appearance by Joey yeah yeah. one <coughs> he, of few which um, yeah. the previous one I think was better <laughs> he told me before that he, he gets asked a lot but if you do a search online he did one for West Ham about 8 years ago he did ours twice and then this I think he, he, you have the charm prof <laughs> you have the charm but Dundalk have joined Shelbourne and launched a new podcast as well and if there's ever been some Verbal diarrhea. That is it. Could you imagine tuning into that? Dundalk podcast. Oh, I don't think I'll do the accents. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you couldn't pay me. Um, because it's part of the Patreon thing. It wouldn't surprise me if they had uh, someone from Peak Six involved. As an American dude, you know? Well, Soccer ball. <laughs> I know you're making fun of it, but I'm, I'm, cur- I'm always curious about a new no, prof. club podcast. It's rubbish. I will reserve judgment. Okay, no, the, you ac- won't. the accents will be awful. That's true. I definitely give it a bash, yeah. but I haven't, I haven't listened to the Shelbourne one. You got to be a patron to listen to Shelbourne, am I right? Mm-hmm. It's the same. It's not the same, here. It's free the same with Undark. That's the whole point of it. Is to, that's, that's the it's thing. a whole package as well, isn't mm-hmm. it? It's not just the podcast you're getting. There's a lot more. Yeah. Still rubbish. <laughs> um, some random X hoops news. Tommy Stewart appeared on Pretty Single, a dating show on BBC, and did he get the girl in the end, Prof? No, despite looking very handsome. He didn't get he, the chicks. He was not chosen. I'm waiting for a St. Pat's brace joke here. <laughs> he would have scored if it was Pat's. Uh, Dan, Dan Carr joined Rops, Rovaniemi, so continuing his trend of uh, playing against teams that Rovers have, have played in Europe. Um, so he's living in Lapland, pretty much. Pretty much. As someone said in the chat, he's a new, Dan, he's a new uh, Ron Ricketts. Yeah, that's... that's um, I can't imagine that. Like That wouldn't be a great... I know they knocked us out. Well, it wouldn't be a great standard, would it? The yeah. Icelandic league. Tomer was there before, the year before we played them. Uh, very cool place to live, though. Michael O'Neill tested positive for the virus at uh, Stoke, so he, he tested negative five times previously. So hopefully there's no real illness involved there with Michael O'Neill and it comes and goes and he remains healthy. Rovers legend. With UEFA's key meeting on the future of European competitions, it'll be held on June 17th, so not too far away. And an interesting... It's it's interesting to see what happens. I think I was watching... I was watching Dortmund and... 
however it was, but I'm nearly sure they had music and background noise. And it was like watching an actual game because, fair enough, you couldn't see the fans. But oh, I heard that, yeah. Yeah, it, it was a lot better. That was a lot better. It was drowning out, like, the, the oohs and the ahs of the team. I thought it was much better. I didn't, uh, I didn't see that myself, but I heard that the sound was very, like dynamic it was very intelligent like it followed the play it was nuts and the chances it genuinely felt like watching a game and the fans were there obviously visually they weren't but it sounded like it which was a big thing for me because I, football's football and I watch it anyway but it's it's a little bit of a dampener when you can't when there's nobody in the stadium there's no fans and all you can hear is the clash of boots and people giving out some people yeah. like that but I, I just well, like the fans you might agree with me but I actually I don't like that I don't like the, the fake no, I, I, I don't I, like the idea of distorting reality. <laughs> if they played in front of an empty stadium, I want to hear that it's empty. Oh no, I think uh, the surround sound on it, it's it's grand. <laughs> I just don't really care in the clash of the boots. Some people are really into it though. But uh, we've heard bits and bobs from what this UEFA decision could be. We've heard that it could be one game rather than two legs. That the qualifiers could be pushed back to August. Don't know. Whether, Prof, just whether, answer the question: Will we get away? <laughs> Well, the question is, are we gonna go away? It, it, realistically, we are. <laughs> like, if it if, if it is an away game, yeah, yeah, we're going. If it's in if it's in a country where by then the pubs and restaurants are open, but the game itself is behind closed doors, are three hundred of us gonna go over and just sit in the pubs just I'm, just to be there? I'm gone. <laughs> but go outside. We'll do it. We're gone. Yeah. Simple. You know we are. If there's no if there's no major like really bad restrictions on it and we're allowed mm. to go, we're going. Put it that way. What else would you be doing like? Well that's Barry, is he gone? And he said this. Wise words from the bear. <laughs> Wise words from the bear. Yeah, very true. Did um, you see the, the Danish drive in gar? This is um Am I pronouncing this correctly? FC Mitterland. Oh yeah, we've been speaking about this before. The league leaders. Their social yeah. distancing drive through or drive like a like a cinema it had a massive screen is that yeah, what yeah in the about? stadium car park yeah about 2000 cars is that how many they got we were talking about yeah. this before it happened so it happened and they got yeah. 2000 cars well I think they it said they can fit up to 2000 I don't know how many they had but, uh, but that's that's a great idea pretty cool yeah and jeez imagine the size of the screen as well now just go back to what we were saying a minute ago I'd like to watch a game not that I want to watch games with no fans but I'd rather watch a game with an empty stadium and hear that it's empty but then faintly hear the sound of 2,000 cars in the background honking the, <laughs> the horns and cheering I'd rather hear that than fake atmosphere true true no I'd ra- no, no I'm, I'm on the because it's real though yeah it is to a certain extent prof to a certain extent it's getting deep now it is getting deep will, will we have a discussion we're, on AI we're going oh, <laughs> artificial we're dives. going down the rabbit hole now do they deserve consciousness or not we can start going into conspiracy <laughs> theories now we want uh, just a quick one does it quite work right he's totally enveloped in the whole conspiracy theory thing and I've never talked to him before ever and I was sitting in having me lunch and he walked in and he just started pacing up and down I didn't even know the guy's name so he's pacing up and down and he's holding his face and he's like Fucking coronavirus, man. <laughs> I was like, what? Are you alright, mate? I, was, I said, what's your name? He says his name. I won't reveal him because it's funny. This sounds like the cartoonist, isn't and, it? Yeah, and, and he's like, uh, yeah. fucking 5G, man. <laughs> <laughs> I went and I have a good half an hour conversation and he went 
down the rabbit hole. He's never coming out. Brilliant. He is totally obsessed. So if you want to start going down rabbit holes, that's your one. You need to get him paired up with Winston. Oh, oh, great oh that'd chat. be brilliant, yeah. Um, yeah, so some, some awful news coming up next. And Deck McKeo, a.k.a. Big Deck, sadly passed away at the weekend. Lots of tribute poured in from not only Rovers fans, but fans around the, the league and the world. And players held a minute's applause for Deck at the Rolston on Tuesday morning. And unfortunately, it's I've, I've never had the pleasure of having a point with Big Deck. We never had the pleasure of having him on the show. I tried to get him on a few times. He's, I was told he's actually quite shy, yeah. even though he's a larger-than-life character. Uh, he's a gent. But they're actually quite sure, yeah. So I'd only talked to him a few times. I've never seen such an outpouring of tributes to, to for anyone or any fan ever. So it, it just shows you how what people mm. thought of the guy. So uh, our condolences go to the Kyo family and all his family and friends. I mean, from Tales from the East End. He's rightly described as a robber's legend. He's well known around the whole league. He's one of those characters, isn't he? Just brilliant stories yeah. left, right, and centre about him and his his, his sense of humour and. Yeah. everything about him so even Aslan posted a tribute because he's yeah. always gone to their gigs I remember um, one of my first memories ever at a Tim Lizzy gig in the Ambassador when I think Jesus who was on there was only the guitarist left but every gig I'd ever go to he'd be there oh. and this is before I was involved with Rovers before I followed Rovers I knew who he was WWE yeah. he'd be at I think we saw him at WWE yeah. before uh, Tin Lizzy gigs just every, he, he'd be everywhere I saw him at a concert in the UK once I could just see him everywhere, yeah. But uh, were you aware of his love of, of Rochdale? No idea. But all these kind of... It, yeah. it just fits right in. Uh, like, yeah. a, like a cool club Manchester, you know, that for him to like that. I only found out about it uh, last year because I'd be good mates with Jim Conroy and Jim and Deck were close. And he just started talking about him and Deck going over to, to Rochdale games. I was like, what's this link about? It's interesting, yeah. Yeah, so we're going to move on for a, for a double interview it's an army special we've uh, the soldiers you'll hear for us from 2018 player of the year Lee Grace and then Rovers fan Gavin Fitz so Gavin Fitzsimons from the Irish Defence Forces in the Lebanon so uh, yeah here we have the lads okay Lee so it's uh, Monday as we record this uh, group training has resumed for us Dundalk Bowes and Derry although one of those clubs uh, got ahead of themselves but uh, what was it like this morning seeing everyone again yeah, it was great getting in to see everyone. Um, obviously, back to train is is what we all wanted, and as long as it's safe to do so, we were happy to go ahead with it. Um, yeah, it's great to see everyone, and great to have a ball at our feet again. Some interesting uh, hairstyles as well, most notably Pico Lopez. Uh, Pico's rocking a fro at the moment, yeah, and a little tash. Actually, funnily enough, it suits him. Um, I think Pico can pull that and off, to be honest. Um, and a couple of questionable barnets in the in the team. Yeah, I won't name any names. And uh, what sort of session was it? Is it all sort of non-contact training for the time being? Uh, today was more or less non-contact. Yeah. Um, the first group was defenders, and our group, obviously, second group was defenders as well. So we were just working on like shape and defending crosses and all that non-contact. So it's going to have to be that for the next probably week or so, and then probably progress into smaller side of games but look we're just happy to be back and as I said happy to have a ball at our feet I saw some pictures of Rosetown with their reminder signs about social distancing the, the management staff are all wearing protective masks so obviously precautions have all been put in place so are you guys very comfortable to be back out there or were there any concerns at all that had to be addressed before you resumed um, no not really no one had, had any problems coming back to train as long as it was safe to do so and look to 
the setup over there this morning was was very good. There's hand sanitizer everywhere, signs for two meter distance, and um, there was nothing, not no rock left unturned. Um, so it was very safe, and everyone felt fairly safe, and it was it was ran really well, I think. Yeah. So two rounds of uh, testing all came back with negative results for all four clubs, which was which was great news. So what was that whole procedure like? Um, yeah, two weeks ago, and the Monday was our first test. You just come up, obviously five minutes. Every five minutes, someone else arrives because you can't arrive with anyone else. You're arriving your own. Um, it literally takes thirty seconds. Swab the back of the throat, and that was it. Um, and yeah, look, it's great that, that there's no positive results coming back from any of the teams because obviously that'd be a setback. So two testings done now, and there's no no positive. So that's a good sign. And has it been a, a tough few months in lockdown? And how have you stayed active during that time? Um. Oh, it was long enough. It was long enough. Um, obviously, everyone missing the football, but myself and the girlfriend are into our fitness, so we try to stay as active as we can and try not to watch as much Netflix as Netflix as we could. But um, now, look, the, the three months is up now. We're we're all raring to go again, and we're all glad to be back. The club put on a quiz night last month where you had a game of lies with uh, Greg Bolger. Did you enjoy the event? And did you and a few of your teammates have a go at the quiz? Um, yeah, me and me and my family had a go. Me and the missus and our family had a go at the quiz. Um, I won't tell you what my score was, but um, myself and Greg had a had a little game with the lawyers. Yeah, I was fairly sick and Greg bet me, but sure, it was a, it was a close one. I got one score on the board, so that's the main thing. You did no worse than me or Gary in that quiz. I, I assure you. Okay. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Was it especially frustrating to be put on hold given that we'd started the season so well, five wins out of five? That incredible game against Undock in front of a record crowd, that must have been an incredible game to play in. And Rovers in the league in general need to see great nights like that again. Yeah, that was a, it was a great night. And for Jack to pop up the winner so late on was great. Um, yeah, look, we were, we were disappointed, obviously, the league stopped because we were after getting off to such a good start. Um, five from five is a dream start for anyone and as I said it was it was a pity that the league had to stop but look it had to stop there was bigger things happening there was people losing their lives so had to be put on hold but hopefully we can pick up where we left off when we eventually do get back There was a nice news story in the middle of all this a few weeks ago where you donated a robber's jersey signed by the entire squad to the Irish Defence Forces in South Lebanon framed and all so how did that come about? Um one of my mates is actually over in the Lebanon, so he he texted me a few months ago saying that there's a Dundalk jersey framed up on the wall over there, so he said any chance he could get a Rovers one up beside it, and I obviously said yes because he couldn't have a Dundalk one up and not a Rovers one beside it. So I just got one of my old jerseys, got a sign from all the lads, and when he came home on his leave, um, I gave it to him and he brought it back over, got it framed and got it up, so it was, yeah, it was a nice touch, and um, as I said, it's glad to be up beside the, the Obviously, there's a little link there. You yourself were you were a private in the army. You did three years there before you joined Galway United. So you have to make a decision then and dedicate your life to full time football. Yeah, it was just before I signed for Galway, the decision to make whether to stay in the army um, and not play full time football or take the chance and leave. And obviously, I took the chance and left. Um, and I've no regrets because full time football is what I always wanted to do. So I had to take that chance. Um, but I enjoyed me three years in the army. I've no bad things to say about it, and 
funnily enough, if I hadn't left, I would have been over in the Lebanon within two months of when I left. So, look, it all, it all worked out in the end, I think. You were something of a, a late bloomer as well. You started off playing centre-mid in uh, Waterford, but a growth spurt in your late teens led to a change in position to centre-half. Yeah, I was. I was a midfielder when I was growing up, all right. Um, I don't know. I don't know what manager at junior level put me back centre back, but it obviously paid off. Even when I signed for Wexford, I was signed as a midfielder. But Shane Keegan threw me back centre half fairly quick, and yeah, the the, the rest is history, as they say. <clears throat> Just jumping to your Shamrock Rovers debut now. It's unusual for a player on the losing team to be singled out for so much attention. The two 0 defeat at home to Derry in the summer of twenty seventeen. But I remember how impressed which you the fans were that night. Did you feel you settled in very quickly to the club starting from that debut? Uh, I did, to be fair. I only, I only had a week's training under my belt. I think I arrived on the Monday evening or something like that. So I, even less than a week, I think I had training with the squad. So, And I was trying straight in against Derry. And obviously I, I enjoyed my me, me debut for the club, but obviously disappointed not to get the result. But I, I enjoyed my debut and I thought I did all right, to be fair. So this is our Player of the Year series and you won the, the award in 2018. That was your first full season and it was Stephen Bradley's second full season in charge. So how do you look back on that year uh, personally and overall, the highs and the lows? Because there's definitely some lows, but thankfully the club uh, kept the faith. Yeah, personally, look, it was, it was a good year for myself. I thought I, I, did, I performed well throughout the year and obviously very grateful that the fans seen that as well and voted me for Player of the Year cause I was very grateful to get player of the year for such a big club and obviously my first full year there was was extra special um, but as a group obviously we were disappointed we, we came away with no, no trophies or anything like that um, went out with the FAI early um, but thankfully we made up for it this year, last year you could say now sorry What do you remember from the award ceremony itself with all the players and the fans and the 1899 suite going in did you think you might win and what was your reaction when your name was announced? Uh, to be honest, I wasn't sure walking in there, so I was kind of a bit nervous walking in. A few of the lads that were when we sat when we eventually got sat down, a few of the lads were saying, "Lee, it's yours, like it's yours," and I was like, "Nah, it's not, like it's not." I just I didn't want to believe it. Um, but then when they called my name, obviously I was delighted, and the the suite was packed, and my family was there, and my girlfriend was there, so it was a it was a great night overall. And a few questions from Tom Murphy then. Getting over something the stage, but sure, I got over in the end. Yeah, I seem to recall he kept bringing up the Bowes games in the, that <laughs> night, yeah. But uh, 2019 was obviously a fantastic season with our European run and the FBI Cup success. But let's start with Europe. Two really good performances to get past Bran and then probably mixed emotions for you against Apollon. You got a goal in the first leg, but then a red card in the second leg. Yeah, obviously, Europe was the games you wanted to be playing in. Um, they were very, very good games. To see, even to see the countries that we travelled to were unbelievable, and they're the experiences you never forget. Obviously, the the result over in Bram was a great result to bring back to Tala, and that night in Tala, the place was rocking, and I think we we fully deserved to go through that round. And we were very unlucky against Apollon. and as you said, I scored in the first the first leg, and I was sent off in the second. But um, great experiences overall, and. I think we were unlucky against Apollon to go out. As for the uh, the FBI Cup, if you if you do something from here, I want you to ask. I want to ask you uh, for your three standout moments, but in different categories. So, can you give me your best memory of the cup final win, 
pre-match, then a memory during the match, and then thirdly, a standout moment from the celebrations afterwards? So before, I'd have to say the the video of the families. Um, I thought it was a great touch, especially having it so close to the game, so it's fresh in your memory rather than having it the night before. Um, everyone had their families up on the screen and it got a bit emotional and I think that gave us a, a good drive going into the game. Um, during the game, it was actually the penalty shootout and Gary's, Gary's penalty to win it, the minute he hit it and it hit the net, I just hugged Joey. I think there's a picture of all the boys sprinting towards Gary and me and Joey hugging on the halfway line, but I'll never forget that moment. And after, I think, seeing our families getting back to the hotel was brilliant, but I think the standout moment was, I think someone mentioned it earlier, all of us standing on the halfway line, the centre circle, sitting down, just singing songs, having a beer, and they're the moments you'll, you'll cherish forever, you know. I actually wanted to ask about that. Did you and Joey make a beeline for each other because you're close friends or did you just happen to be standing there? We were standing beside each other and I don't think I watched, I think I could have watched one of the penalties. I just, I couldn't watch him. So I was kind of looking at Joey and the minute the ball hit the net, he just put his hands up in the air and I just hugged him. He hugged me and yeah, it was a great moment. All the boys were sprinting towards Gary but me and Joey stood still and just hugged it out. So no, it was great, great moment. And I suppose describe the the emotion and the feeling of having like, won the trophy and the final whistle, or probably when, when Gary O'Neill's penalty goes in. What does that feel like? Yeah, look, as I said, I didn't watch many of the penalties. I don't know if I watched Gaz's. I'd have to look back in a video and see as I looking. But I just remember when Joey put his hands up and started smiling and cheering. I just knew that was it and we'd done it. And there was obviously tears, having your family there and me granddad's God rest his soul, passed away, he was there as well, so they're the moments, as I said, you'll, you'll cherish forever and you'll never forget. Right, so I'm here with Gav Fitz, and he's from Rec... And what, am, I, am I saying it right? Recce Company, is it? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, I had a feeling that was it. Recce Company in the Irish Army, all the way from South Lebanon, Camp 245. So uh, tell us, how long are you serving and what made you join the Army? I'm in now, just coming on three years, but... Uh, I was basically I was working a few jobs in different warehouses and all and someone said it to me the the army were hiring basically so I said uh, I said I'd just throw in an application now it took two years or so before leading I actually got uh, got through to train ended up training in Athlone there so well I was I was just seeing it as more of a career change you know because yeah. I was working kind of dead end jobs more than that quite a lot of security involved with that as well though I mean it's it's pretty much a job for life isn't it uh, there is yeah there's pros and cons to it like every job I suppose but I like it now some people don't some people give out all day about it but it suits me I think you have to be a certain type of person you know yeah yeah so what's the situation in the lab with like the COVID-19 restrictions has it been strange being based abroad during a global pandemic yeah I'd say it's strange for everybody now at this time but it's weird because you're in kind of like a bubble over here, like nothing's changed for us. We still have to do our duties and our whatever else. Like, so it's kind of like I'm more hearing about it from the likes of my family and my girlfriend back home and it's what I see on fucking Facebook and all, you know? Yeah, yeah. But what about, um, how long will you be there and how long how long have you got left? I've been here since November. I was supposed to go home last month, but with everything that's going on that was postponed so 
I'm hopefully getting out of here now on Sunday week. Sunday, Sunday week, so that. it's not too bad. Yeah. But there was yeah. some unrest in Beirut recently. There was protesters clashing with police over basic rights issues. And has there been any trouble near you? No, that's uh, that's a bit away from us. We'd be briefed on that, of course, but for people that have to travel up there for certain things, but it hasn't affected us really. The the local forces would deal with that more than us. We've well, we're going to move on to the football matters now. Have you adopted a team where you're based? I've done my research. The most southern team where you'd probably near enough be would be Tadamon. And there's seven teams in the city of Beirut alone. So there's derbies everywhere in Beirut, including current champions, Al-Akhed FC. Yes, it's by sounds, but you know more about it than me now. I haven't <laughs> really been keeping up to date. But, uh, yeah, usually the battalion here would have, like, a football team organised and you'd be able to go out and play in the local stadium or pitch against the locals. But with everything going on now, that was, that was axed. We tried to get one up at the start of the trip, but... It just wasn't happening. There's just too much going on, isn't there? There's just too much going on. You can't. I wish that would, that uh, we would have been able to. It would have been a good laugh, but just can't do it now at the minute. And um, we had former soldier Lee Gray sent the jersey over to the to the camp, assigned one from the cup final win. So, is there a few hoops yeah. in the camp? Uh, it's hanging up in the mess here now where I am. Uh, yeah, it was, it was great for him to do. Uh, there was a there's a Dundalk one here as well, so. It's nice to have the Rovers one up. And that one's being uh, used as a coaster, is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, there's not much now. There's most of the people from uh, on this trip now be from south of Ireland, so there's not much hoops here. There's a Bowes fan next door to me, but sure look, there's not you can't be all <laughs> yeah. good. Um yeah, so tell us how did you get the Rovers and how long you follow the hoops? Um just I've always had an interest on me life like then my uncle his nephew is David Mooney who played for Rovers a few, a few years ago now but yeah. he uh, he'd bring, bring me and my cousin over to, especially when we played Pats because like we're right beside the stadium there in Ninja Car so uh, yeah we'd go that was my remember that would be my first game in uh, watching Rovers and just ever since that then, going to my dad would always go to, we used to always go to Milltown and all, so he started bringing us then. It, was, it wasn't like a regular thing, it was just odd games here and there, and then once Tala came about then, it was handy for me to get up, so just ever since that then. And what about your favourite player, all-time and current? Uh, all-time, we'll go with Gary Twig, because my favourite memory of Rovers in general would have been the time he scored... Uh, the late two goals and uh-huh. was that first season in Tala? First ever derby in Tala, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was that's my fondest moment of Rovers anyway. Because it was me dad there and it was it was great. And then uh, favourite player now, Jack Bourne. Yeah, it has to be, doesn't it? Just think he's enjoying too much. So tell us you managed to squeeze the cup final in and uh, did your march to Eva? Tell us about your day in general because we've been asking everybody that we get on the show. And it's it's something that's popular. Everybody seems to text us and say, "Listen, we love hearing our memories from from the cup final." So tell us about your day. Yeah, it was basically went over and uh, I met a mate of mine and my girlfriend in town, and we went uh, went out to Rings End, and I'd never seen anything like that before in my life. It was unreal. It was surreal being surrounded by that much hoops in general. And then, like I was at the final against Sligo there, and that was. Uh, 
I we just went me and a group of lads. So we didn't see. I didn't see any of that. I don't think any of that even happened. But uh, yeah, it was completely different, and uh, it was just a great day all together. Met up in rings and then had a few beers and marched down to the Aviva. How did you feel when uh, the equaliser went in? Was it? I mean, we were talking about the contrast and emotions that football brings. How did you feel? Yeah, I was just thinking this is going to happen again. Like, it just it seems to be a, a trend lately where just, they, just some things just don't go our way. But it ended up, thankfully, there were some of the best penalties I've ever seen a penalty shoot. Anyway, no matter what game I've watched, it was unreal. So if you get back home soon enough, uh, you, you'll be back as a regular hoop? If things get yeah, back to normality? 100%. Hundred percent. Hopefully back to normality soon. Anyway, the way things are going now, anyway, it's hopefully won't be long. Oh, lovely. Will you be welcome on our tifties bus anytime? <laughs> thanks for that. This is Gav. Thanks, and I'll talk to you again soon, right? Right, Gav. Thanks. Thanks, Cheers, Gav. So that was Lee and Gav. Gar. Uh, where does that rank amongst our our best interviews? <sighs> I don't know. Man, it was tops. It really was. Hopefully, we can march on and win the title. Obviously, it was a struggle during during lockdown for those three months when the league was put on the hold but uh, Lee soldiered on yeah just a big thank you to, to the lads for coming on yeah and for for combating this virus yeah I think I might have more notes just let me I'm just going to rifle through my I might have saved it as a draft I'm not sure we, we can move on anyway I thought you trained for this <laughs> don't worry. Uh, yeah so that was it the lads were great and uh, yeah, interesting times. And now I'm interested in the Lebanon League. Seven teams mm. in the city of Beirut, all the derbies. You're a lot more interested than Gabby is apparently. Mm. I don't. Oh, you wouldn't know what way it works. Like mm. we still didn't even get that out of them. But what way it works as regards to shifts and can you actually go out? Are you allowed out of barracks? Are you allowed go out and have a point? Or I know obviously with the COVID restrictions, but in normal mm. times you'd wonder what way it works, wouldn't you? Yeah. So we heard from Lee there as well about coming back to training. And uh, the hairstyles, as he says, the dodgy berlitz. The dodgy berlitz. It's my Tipperary, and, Tipperary slash Nigerian accent. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Lee, Lee only made his first vision debut for Wexford five years ago. He was 22. So that's what I meant by he's a late bloomer. I mean, he 22 was, when he first made his ever appearance in League of Ireland, first or second yeah. division. So like he wasn't even on the radar as a schoolboy. I remember an interview he did before where he said all his mates would get picked for like uh, what's it called when you're called up to like not national teams but oh like the DDSL yeah that's, stuff like that, that. yeah his mates would get picked up your, and your league teams the yeah, league yeah, selections yeah. and then he wouldn't you know what I mean I guess he was considered too short or something but and of course he nearly joined Hull City over the winter yeah but he opted to sign a three year deal with us so geez we we, uh, we were resigned to losing him I know yeah, we just thought to ourselves, now he's gone. Because it's rare, it gets that far, and then it collapses. And there have been exceptions. Remember, remember Mikey O'Connor was meant to go to, was it Burnley or something? Oh, yeah, he was. He was over on trial. And it fell through. Yeah. But he was very young, though. I mean, what's Lee, like 27 now? So Is that how old he is? Yeah. So if he was going, if he was going to play in the UK, like it was kind of, it was never, never. So you thought it was going to happen there, but I'm delighted he stayed. So yeah, 
Hope you all enjoy the show. I know one man who definitely enjoyed it. So, a uh, big thank you to to the bear. Our, our, he's, he's Connor's corner now in audio form. That's <laughs> what you've all been waiting for. He's the darling of the Rover support. He's he mm. really is a great kid. So he sounds like Rob Spravonimi's announcement of Dan Carasini <laughs> in Finnish. <laughs> Oh. so uh, yeah that's it for this week we hope you ha- we gave you some sort of enjoyment or a laugh or something in these unprecedented times mm. prof. but uh, yeah we'll be back again and hopefully we're back to normal soon enough prof because mm. it's it's really it's tough not having the release at the end of the week that we spoke about you know having the the few points and watching a match and having an L scream and a shout in the stand and being on the buses and going to the away games. So hopefully it'll be all back soon. And I know it was a small step, but just seeing the players training at Rosetown, that was a great lift. Yeah. Do you know what I think might happen? I might. I think that we might end up playing European football a little bit sooner than we think. Or it could happen where it could be one of the first games back. Possibly. Mm-hmm. Even before this quadrangular tournament. They might, yeah, they might even just say, okay, well, here's your dates. Because our house isn't in order as regards to the, the resumption of the league, we could potentially turn around and see a European game happen with maybe a game or two into this resumption of our own league because we're like we're the only one without a date at the minute, am I right? Mm-hmm. So we could end up having a European game pretty quick and then we could all be jetting off. So that could be our big, fucking, our big hurrah to start the league off again. So yeah, that's it for this week. And um, yeah, so... Keep on hooping and we'll see you soon. See you. Nominate them. Nominate them.